0: Welcome to Radioactive, where we plug you into the community and pair it with great new music and songs you know and love. I'm your host, Laura Jones. Our Songs of Summer playlist was a great success. More than 90 songs, folks. Uh, Listeners and guests called the hotline, dedicated some musical inspiration. Do check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes, but it lives on online at krcl.org. In fact, I loved it so much, hearing what you wanted to hear. So if you'll keep sharing songs with me, why you love them, and putting your own dedication on them, I'll keep sharing them during the show. That number is 385-800-1889, or you can use your smartphone's voice memo app to record a dedication. Just be sure to include at least your first name, where you're calling from, and then be the DJ. Share your story about the song and dedicate it. You can email your voice memos to radioactive at krcl.org. To give you an update on what's going on with the new studios at KRCL, I had hoped that we'd be in by now, but you know those things take time. Uh, Hopefully by October when we have Radiothon, we'll be back, and once we are live with the show again, we'll have our volunteer show hosts come back and join the show. Until then, you got little old me as your executive producer and host of Radioactive. Coming up, find out how you can help pack one million meals for kids in the Beehive State, just one of many volunteer opportunities to lend your time or perhaps even a few of your extra dimes. Also this hour, Stacey Baer, a veteran, an outdoor adventurer and filmmaker, will share his thoughts on Afghanistan and the 20th anniversary of 9-11 coming up this weekend. You may recall the Memorial Day playlist he created as we started the radioactive summer break three months ago. I asked him for a couple of songs to get us started tonight, and here's what he had to say.
1: As you know, American Aquarium has been heavy, heavy, heavy on my playlist. Uh, Burn, flicker, die. Um, great album. Great song. I'm normally not that sad and angry, but it's, it's really seemed to be capturing a, a lot of my feelings right now. Uh, and then... Uh, on the flip side of that, Watch House, formerly Mandolin Orange, got to see them live at Red Butte a couple weeks ago, uh, and their song, Wondrous Love, just, just gets me every time. It's a, it's a beautiful new song. Thanks, as always. Love, KRCL. Love how much uh, support you all give the community and, and those of us who are here and your willingness to engage with different viewpoints.
0: You got it, Stacey, right here on KRCL Radioactive. You're listening to Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones. Still to come, a call for volunteers to help pack one million meals for kids in the Beehive State. But right now, a conversation I want to share with you that I had with Stacy Baer going into the Labor Day weekend. I, I wanted to get his thoughts on the American withdrawal from Afghanistan and the upcoming 20th anniversary of 9-11. He's a veteran. He's been using the outdoors to process what he went through in war, help fellow veterans, and help everyday folks deal with the things that are hard for them in life by getting outdoors. It's a wide-ranging conversation. Here we go.
1: My name is Stacey Baer. I'm the founder of Adventure Not War, amongst other things. That project started in 2015 to take me back to the places I had fought, cleaned up, or was supposed to fight in war, but returning as a skier, climber, or adventurer instead of a sp- soldier or landmine clearance officer.
0: Stacey, thanks for giving me some time. We've talked on and off since we met through Adventure Not War and that first film where you went skiing. Where was it again? Was it Afghanistan, actually, that first one?
1: The first one was actually in 2015, and Alex Honnold and I went and climbed in Angola, and then we met after the film that got titled Adventure Not War, and we went back and skied in northern Iraq in 2017.
0: So here we sit with... uh... US military involvement in theory over in Afghanistan, coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And uh, I just thought you'd be a good person to talk to about this and kind of get your perspective and find out what you're hearing from fellow vets. What what was your initial reaction to uh, the departure of the military in Afghanistan?
1: Yeah, I think for a lot of us, we're deeply conflicted about the departure in Afghanistan. I didn't serve in uniform in Afghanistan. I came down on orders, but never went. My experience in Afghanistan was as part of Adventure Not War, when filmmakers Ben Sturgelewski, Jason Mannings, and myself went to Afghanistan to ski and find a story that we could tell about the Afghan ski community, which is, is very sizable. And over the last couple of weeks, in partnership with a large network of Veterans, nonprofit workers, concerned citizens, service members, people working all throughout the world and all throughout the United States day and night to figure out how to get many of the people that we knew and loved out of Afghanistan safely. And a lot of those folks were at risk because they supported the dream that the American invasion encouraged, which is we will stick around and build a functioning democracy. And so I think what's really hard is that on the one hand, many of us got to experience the generosity and beauty of Afghanistan, the people, the strength, the resilience, watching women and girls and young men step forward for the first time and, or the first time in a long time and fight for civil society and fight for equity. And we know all the statistics, right? If we educate women, society does better. And a lot of people bought into that dream and a lot of people worked incredibly hard and fought incredibly hard to make that dream a reality. And then the United States left. And I don't think anybody who was paying attention will forget the horrific scenes we saw of the evacuation or the stories we've heard of even US citizens and passport holders, green card holders, allies, not being able to get through planes leaving half full and people stuck and being beaten on the streets and being pushed back um, by the, at the same time, the very brave men and women of the United States military and the State Department folks who were working so hard to evacuate. So there's a lot of contradictions. There's a lot of conflict. And at the same time, it was shocking. And and I've talked to a lot of friends who served in Afghanistan and elsewhere. and, And we wondered where was this concern for the last 20 years? Where was this concern for the women and men and children of Afghanistan? Where was the concern for the plight of the United States soldier, marine, airman, sailor, coast guards person in Afghanistan? It it just wasn't there. You know, 20 years ago, if you stood against the war, you were called horrible names and told you weren't a patriot. And now here we are dealing with 20 years of failed administrations. Regardless of Republican or Democrat, these administrations Failed the people of the United States, I believe, and 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 failed the people of Afghanistan. And I'm not really sure what it is we thought we were going to fight. I mean, I think the original fight was we felt like we got punched in the mouth as a nation around 9-11. We were going to go get the people who got us, who who attacked us, and we were going to bring them to justice. And over the years, that mission just morphed and changed and shifted. And so there's a lot of anger. I think there's a sigh of relief for many of us who were finally out have enough people died have enough people hurt there's frustration because we began the process of nation building which the united states has historically never been very good at and people bought into what little space was created and those folks now feel and i think rightfully so deeply abandoned and at greater risk for losing their country and losing their lives for standing up for what they believe in so it's it's it has been a lot of conflict, a lot of pain, a lot of deep questioning. And we've had the benefit of the last 15, 20 days of just working super hard to try and help people get out of the country so that they can thrive and do their best to thrive and do their best to provide their significant gifts to the world. And now that that is kind of coming to an end, even though many people will continue to work to get people out of Afghanistan and to create positive change in Afghanistan. It's all over, is what it feels like now.
0: You've continued with your filmmaking and uh, efforts to create new memories in the lands where you fought, but now I understand you have concerns about some of the folks in the films that you put out or are working on.
1: Yeah, so we've been working really hard on the film. And you know, we we got back in 2019 and other projects got no, you know, we are in front of that film to be finished. And then it was 2020 and the pandemic and raising funds. And we got to a really good place and really excited about the film that, that Sturge has been directing and you know, brilliant cinematographer, brilliant director. And we're really excited. And then Afghanistan fell. And I think it was one of the things it's it's pretty low on the priority list, right? But we do want to bring it back in some way, because we think it's important for people to witness what we got to witness. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we don't show a film that's gonna create any more pain or any unnecessary hurt. Um, if people see that film and decide to target or are angry about some of the people that were in that film. So it's it's a difficult balance to figure out as, you know, and, and a lot of the people we worked with were able to leave the country and, and others maybe not, and others maybe, um, are, are going to be fine from the current admitted, you know from the from the from the Taliban but we don't know and so we have some difficult decisions to make and some difficult conversations to have in the coming weeks
0: What's that film called or its working title and what were you able to capture on film before all of this went down
1: Yeah the working title of that film was the Afghan champ and we followed a couple of Afghan skiers getting ready to compete in the annual national uh, ski championship in Afghanistan and there's no lifts in Afghanistan right so everything is ski mountaineering everything is hike up to the top of the mountain and ski back down and and I mean what we saw was a really you know not what unlike what people would see in the resorts here in in Salt Lake or Park City right up in the canyons or um which was a lot of people having a great time skiing and skiing is fun and and we talked to parents of skiers who were excited that their kids were out skiing and that they had something to do and we even heard people talk about their attitudes about the mountains changing from oppressive to to fun and gorgeous and you know a lot of the people it's a, it's a it's a mountain community right so people herd goats and walk around and spend time in the mountains every day so some of the just pure pure mountain athletes you know they grow up in the mountains they're incredibly incredibly strong and incredibly resilient and and that translates into emotional and mental resilience as well but it, it was a ton of fun i mean there was deep powder there were great mountains there were endless lines every single one of us wanted to come back and i've written about it and talked about it in the past but where we were as well was incredibly safe and incredibly welcoming incredibly generous we were out one night far out away from the main town and stayed out and it was super cold and like unbelievably cold and unbelievably a dry cold right like there was nothing you could do to protect yourself against that cold and so we're out in this little in this little village and and seeing what's there to see and checking out the mountains and this in the scene out there and a bunch of village men came and uh, and packed themselves into the room we were in to make sure that we wouldn't get cold so it's it's just that type of love and, and generosity that we witnessed every day and I got home and people were like, oh, were you worried about your safety? And and I would have been more than happy to drop my daughter off at any of the villages on the way to where my wife and I could have gone to ski, where I did get to go ski. And we would have come home. And at the end of the day, she would have been exhausted, have had a ton of fun, met new friends, and been well looked after and well fed. And that's the Afghanistan that I got to be a part of.
0: We're talking with Stacey Baer of Adventure, Not War. He's an adventurer, an entrepreneur, a veteran, a filmmaker. And frequently shares his perspective here on radioactive. And I just wanted to say thank you, by the way, for the Memorial Day playlist we did together earlier this year. Got lots of comments, and people really loved it in the radioactive summer survey. That was an episode that really stood out. So um, I invite you to help me do one uh, for Veterans Day. How about that?
1: Yeah, it sounds great. And um, we'll get a few more of, a, of my friends and other veterans involved. Um, pretty, you know, that's one of the best things about service in this country is you. The uniform service in this country is you get to know an eclectic group of people from all over all sorts of different backgrounds Um, people who've been in the United States you know who who, whose grandparents and great 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 grandparents were born here the Native American community gives so many of their sons and daughters to the U.S. military all the way to folks like me whose family came here at the turn of the 20th century to folks who um, emigrated to the United States and then and then chose to serve I mean one of my interpreters who was with us in Iraq came back to the United States with us. And the first thing he did was enlist in the United States Army. So through that, you get to really explore a lot of different cultures and a lot of different music all around the world.
0: At the same time, it's a very small percentage of Americans that actually serve. And now we have, having left Afghanistan, a recalibration of the military that's about to happen as a veteran. And talking with your fellow veterans, what are your concerns or what are your hopes that now happens with our military?
1: you know i think my hopes are this our, my hopes for the military and and for the veteran community is and really for the united states and the world is that we can find peace right i mean more violence begets more violence and i'm concerned with the way the you know with the way the the ending mission of afghanistan was handled i don't think anybody who had been paying attention to the last 20 years of war should have expected a smooth transition i think we would have liked a smooth transition we would have wanted that but it's an you know any any exfil is going to be dangerous and the war just never did well it was it it was blunder after blunder mistake after mistake cultural confusion we didn't let people stay long enough in one area to create the necessary relationships and and to get things moving and 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 there's reasons for that and i think some of those are good reasons but um you know i think we have to look at and say are we here to build nations and and if we want to do that what changes need to be happening so that we can understand culture, language, and history in these areas. Um I, I am worried, like I think a lot of people about the depoliticization of the military. And one of the things that keeps coming up though, in the conversations I have with many fellow service members is a common commitment to core attributes around kindness, decency, and giving people an opportunity and ensuring everybody has an opportunity to live their best selves. And I think that's what we really need to work on. And, you know, within a unit, you might tease somebody quite a bit about one thing or another. And, and this is my experience. And I had a, a, bit, a relatively healthy experience in the military and I know not everybody has this, but within a unit, you know, you might tease somebody, but outside of that unit, nobody else gets to tease that individual, right? Like they're your team. You're going to take care of them. You're going to protect them. And I think we have to get back to the a reminder that we are, citizens and residents of the united states of america and we're not on opposing teams and it's the same thing right like i love inner service rivalry i love the the teasing and the jokes between air force and army and coast guard navy and, and marines and now space force it's a big part of the fun but at the end of the day we remember we're all part of one team and i think that's what we need to remind our political leaders of which is your goal isn't to win for the democrats or win for the republicans your goal is to create a better life for americans And at this point, my concern is that we're more interested in scoring points and never creating benefit for those who are paying attention or who are being impacted by this on the field. And um, you can see that in the veteran community, which is a decreasing percentage of of the larger population in this country. Uh, The United States Army is continuing to miss its recruitment goals and revise those downward. And... I think that says a lot about the society that we're coming from and recruiting our military from. Why aren't people wanting to serve? It's because my fear is, is that they see and feel and understand the reality that service leads to too often self-harm and a lot of extra cost and a lot of extra pain in one's life. And I think that's, we'll never fully understand the cost of this war. I mean, we know there were trillions and trillions of dollars spent. We know a few people made a lot of money But there's a lot of people who I think feel very broken and there's a lot of families that are missing daughters and sons and wives and brothers and husbands and and children that are gone. And how do you put a price on that? And that's on the Afghan side too, right? That's on the Iraqi side as well. That's on the third country nationals and the contractors as well. Uh, on the aid workers, on the NGO folks, on the people who tried so hard and fought so hard to create civil society.
0: So, twenty years after nine eleven, and we just left in the way we left Afghanistan. How do you look at this anniversary? Um, where does where does it where is it? How is it affecting your psyche? I guess is kind of one of the questions I have for you. Yeah, as a veteran, as someone who's been over there and and now has been trying to create this positive way for folks to address their trauma, whether they're veterans or average Joe, by being outdoors.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it, I, I really appreciate that question. And I've been thinking a lot about that. Obviously, you know, any, any anniversary with a five or a zero on it, we're going to spend some time to it, right? They're easily divisible. So on the 20th anniversary, I think it's easy to look at it and say it was a total failure 20 years on. Are we any safer? The Taliban back in charge, what what do we have going on? Um, and now we have another refugee crisis on our hands. And there is a part of me that certainly feels that way. And I wonder about the future of America and our, our global standing. And, and again, I think it's really important for people to remember this isn't this wasn't a bipartisan thing. It was, you know, there was a lot of bipartisan agreement that we needed to leave Afghanistan as much as there was bipartisan agreement at one point that we needed to do invade Afghanistan. So. I think a lot about what that does and and honestly I've just been numb the last few days you know the the bulk of the work we've been able to do or I've been able to do to support Afghans leaving feels like it's finished um and life rushes in right it was we had first day of school from for my daughter last week my wife is a university professor she got back to teaching um the basement flooded right a sewage pipe backed up and so it's just like all that daily stuff that you have to do. And there's all these other things that are happening around the country um, and around the world that have impacts or or make me worry about not just the future, but today. And it's easy to let Afghanistan and all those things slip back and slip away. And right now I'm just trying to get through every day and have enough to play with my daughter at night and make sure we wake up early enough to, to draw And and play with crayons. And yet at the same time, I have those things and it's like an old knee injury, right? It just flicks at you like it could be worse. You could be in Afghanistan and or you could be in Madagascar, you could be wherever. And but you can't live your life that way. And so my goal is just to continue, you know, I want to support the people that we got out. I want to continue to support the power of the outdoors to transform individuals and transform cultural understanding. And, and I'll keep doubling down on that. And I've had moments, you know, breaking down at stoplights and just feeling the sobs, the racking tears of sadness and pain come flying forward. And then I'm able to choke them back down and keep driving when the light turns green, but I'm sure that's going to come. I'm sure at some point I'll have a more articulate answer of what I think the 20 years means, but Right now, I just feel numb and just want to get through every day and keep working on creating a world that my, you know, that is worthy of my daughter and, and her generation.
0: So Afghan Champ is still in production. You're making some changes out of security concerns for folks in it. But you also have this other one called Silk Ride. Tell us about that and when people might be able to see either one of those, actually
1: that should be out this fall as well. And, and Silk Ride is, is the working title as well. So when we left Afghanistan, a couple of the Afghan skiers said, what can you do for us? How can you, will you continue to help us? We've given so much to you. We appreciate that you're trying to raise awareness, but what comes next? And so on the invitation of some Kyrgyz skiers that we also knew, we've launched um, Silk Ride, which is a free ride ski competition that was hosted in Kyrgyzstan in, in 2020. And then they hosted it again in, in 2021. And we're in the process right now of figuring out the dates and and goals for 2022. But the idea is is that we create at least one event and ultimately a tour along the historic Silk Road nations, you know, from China all the way to Lebanon that supports free skiing and ultimately mountain biking and and other activities just to to use the outdoors to promote cultural exchange and, and joy. And that film is just about that first one.
0: Where can people catch up with you and learn more, maybe get involved, support?
1: Yeah, we 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 can certainly use some support. We'll have some more specific asks coming out. Um the easiest thing to do would be to give us a, to to give where the organization I, I'm working for now that I run now that we founded Happy Grizzly Adventures on Instagram or Stacy A. Bear, S-T-A-C-Y-A-B-A-R-E. And Instagram is is really the easiest way to keep in touch. Um and then happygrizzlyadventures.com will ultimately house a lot of that because that'll also house the 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 film and speaking and podcasts and that type of thing.
0: Stacey Bear of Adventure Not War and Happy Grizzly. Check tonight's show notes for a link to those organizations and updates on the films that he talked about. I'm Laura Jones, and when we come back, I'm going to talk with a man who's heading up a volunteer effort to pack a million meals for kids here in Utah. This is Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. Got one other conversation to share with you tonight. You know, a lot of folks are... Reflecting on this 20th anniversary of 9/11 with acts of service, and I've got one for you to consider. It's going to be helping this next guy who's heading up the project to pack a million meals for kids in Utah.
2: My name's Casey Yardley. I'm the director of account development here at Brainstorm, and kind of I'm the project manager over this uh, this million meals project here. So
0: this is part of Silicon Slopes serves. Give us the backstory on that.
2: This is our third year uh, working on this project, uh, and we've called it uh, affectionately the Million Meals for Utah project. And we work closely with, uh, with Silicon Slopes, uh, Slope Serves, as well as a few other organizations. We work with uh, the Hunger Fight, um, as well as uh, the Utah Food Bank and Just Serve as well. And yeah, we've, we've partnered with these organizations to, uh, to do a service project. We, we love this time of year where um, the, the Silicon Slope Summit is happening uh, because there's so much great excitement in, you know, in our part of the, the state. And for the last three years or so, we've, we've put together this great service project to pack a million meals. And the great thing about it is it all... It all benefits uh, the the local Utah families and individuals who are, you know, who are in need. And so it's it's a really, really great service project that we've been able to be a part of for the last few years. And it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: So every year, a million meals.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We do a million meals. It's huge. It, it is huge.
0: So we talking sack lunches. Um, you know, what are those, uh, those edibles, the, the peanut butter sandwiches, what do you, what are you looking for and how can our listeners help you? Do you need donations? Do you need folks to show up and help you pack them?
2: Yeah. Great question. So, um, the meals are, uh, in the years past, we've done a couple of meals, one, uh, more of a sweet meal, like an oatmeal, um, breakfast meal, and then a savory meal this year we're doing, uh, we're doing mac and cheese, And so uh, the way that people can help us the best is, like you just said, to volunteer and serve. Um, And we've got registration um, up on uh, JustServe.org. If you go to uh, projects, so you go to JustServe.org, you click on projects and you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the Million Meals for Utah project. And if you click on the link, it'll allow you to register for uh, the, the project is October 13th and 14th. And there's one hour sessions throughout both of those days from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And you can register to serve for an hour or multiple hours and bring your family, bring your friends. Um, but yeah, we need we need help packing these meals. So um, don't by donation. We've been able to fund. All of the all of the uh, the meals themselves and the, the components of the meals and what we do during these two days is we we have a bunch of uh, a big space at the salt palace and we'll pack the meals and it's uh, it's a lot of fun people can come and um, a lot of people bring their families and their you know, a group of friends and you're able to pack meals for a couple of hours and and help uh, help put some effort towards a good cause.
0: No, it's happening during the Silicon Slope Summit, but you don't need to be an attendee to volunteer for just this event, right?
2: Correct. Yeah, you don't have to be attending the summit in order to come and serve. Um, so, and it is happening in conjunction, like you said, with the summit. But no, you don't have to be uh, a summit attendee to come and come and do this.
0: That's a great way to give back to the community. Help you guys do that. So, folks, if you're listening, we'll put a link in the show notes tonight, so you can go and uh, sign up for as many hour shifts as you can. But when, uh, where do these meals go
2: after they are packed? Great question. So, after the meals are packed, um, we deliver them to the Utah Food Bank. So they all go, they all stay here in the state of Utah, and and then the Utah Food Bank, who is an amazing organization, they use. Um, they use these meals to feed uh, our local community. And one, we had Jeanette Bott, who's the CEO of the Utah Food Bank, come in and film a video, a, a sort of a commercial spot so that we could use it for marketing. And we learned so much about that organization um, from Jeanette. And one of the things that she said was, you know, this project is so important and it's so critical every year when, when we do this. But you have to know, that not only is this week critical, but next week is critical. And the week after that is critical. Um, even though we're packing one million meals, um, you wouldn't believe the need in Utah for, uh, for this type of, you know, this type of project and, and this type of outgoing of food. And so while we're we're making a huge effort and we're, you know, we're packing a million meals, and that's a big number, and it's a really, really cool project. Um, there's a there's quite the need. And these meals will go fast uh, from the shelves of the Utah Food Bank.
0: Here, let's share what Jeanette had to say in your video, all right?
2: Yeah. This past year has seen Utah change on a horizon we've never ever expected. The pandemic has been so incredibly devastating on so many levels, but particularly to those families who are already struggling. Whether it was a health issue, a finance issue, whatever it meant, food automatically became the last thing on the budget. And that meant food insecurity broadened, it widened, and it was very severe. Almost three times of what we have seen in years past. We're trying in this project to do one million meals. But the other thing I'd love you to remember is look at the rest of the week, the rest of the month, and the rest of the year. Recognize how important this project is but also recognize how important your future help will be as we really try to fight hunger throughout our state.
0: Jeanette Bott of the Utah Food Bank with what the dire situation is. And I'm sure you've seen the news as I, as have I over the course of COVID more people than before COVID relying on the resource in our community that Utah Food Bank provides folks that wouldn't have expected themselves to be in need of that service, but thank heavens the Utah Food Bank is there and that, uh, Folks can help pack a million meals, Casey. So give us the who, what, one where, why one more time.
2: Yeah. So we will be uh, we'll be doing this October 13th and 14th. Um, each day it starts at 10 a.m. and it goes until 7 p.m. And you can sign up for uh, one hour or multiple hour uh, to come and, and serve. We'll be at the Salt Palace in Hall E, which is on the southeast corner. It's a big, giant uh, space f- uh, for us to do the project in in order to register you can go to justserve.org and then click on projects and scroll down a little bit and you'll find uh, the the just serve project and yeah go ahead and register we'd love to we'd love to see you and have you come come help us
0: Casey Yardley of Brainstorm. Check tonight's show notes. I'll put a link in there where you can sign up to volunteer for as many one-hour shifts packing these meals as you and your friends and family can do. I really do hope you'll consider it. Radioactive, always passing the mic to folks up to good trouble. So if you have an idea for the show moving forward, please email me, radioactive at krcl.org. In fact, use the Voice Memo app on your phone and tell me all about it and then include a song that you think will get people going, too. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up at 7 o'clock, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Vagabond Radio at 8 o'clock with Barbie, The Late Night Lowdown with Connor at 10.30, Super Sounds with Chovy at 1 a.m., and then John Florence is back at 6 a.m. to start your brand new day, all right here on KRCL.